Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Please be advised that Gen X This Is Why contains adult language. This is my problem with the Royals. They literally have nothing to do. And welcome to Gen X This Is Why, the podcast where we re-examine the sometimes bizarre and often scarring media of our shared childhood. My name is Amy and I'm a proud Gen Xer born in 1977. And I'm her sister Jenny, born in 1974. Today we're going to be looking at The Crown Season 4 as part of our Time Capsule series. Jenny? The Crown traces the life of Queen Elizabeth II from her wedding in 1947 to the present day. The fourth season covers the time period between 1979 and 1990 and is set during Margaret Thatcher's premiership and introduces Lady Diana Spencer and Prince William. All right, Jenny, I have a couple thoughts. Okay. I should say for everyone, I'm, I'm sure if you're listening to this, you've obviously watched The Crown. It's on Netflix and it just came out this year. So it's 2020, The, the Crown season. season four. Just came out this year. So we are focusing only on season four because it happened during our childhood. Right. The events covered from 1979 to 1990 are Gen X childhood events that we're going to be talking about. But I I have to admit, I was really excited to talk about this. And I figured out why. Why? (laughs) You're probably excited to talk about it because it's the British monarch. British monarchy. I'm excited to talk about it because it's a little bit soap opera-ish. Well, I mean, the royal family is a lot soap opera-ish. But um, I just want to say, to get this out of the way, that although I'm obsessed with the British monarchy, I don't think they should exist and take taxpayer dollars. And I think it's utterly ridiculous and insane. Wow. But but yet I'm fascinated with it. (laughs) Hot take. Um, I was talking to mom last night about this, and I said, I think Jenny and I are going to have some unpopular opinions about this series. Really? <laughs> well, about the royal family in general. I think we will come down where people don't think we're going to, or most people don't. Right. Just because I'm obsessed with it, people think I'm for it, which I'm right. not necessarily. Right. And I'm <laughs> not insane. It's totally insane. Like, that's why it's fascinating. But well, it's, it's insane. Insane. It's why we study cults. We don't want to be yes. in one. Yes. But it's they're why fascinating. I, I study war. It's fascinating. But like you don't want it to happen. Oh, let me add that to the list of feats. Jenny goes to war. Okay. I don't even thought, <laughs> Why is that even a feat? <laughs> okay. All right. So we're going to talk um, about episodes one and two first. So Jenny is going to be the source of history here because she just finished rewatching seasons one, two, and three, correct? Uh, Well, that was a while ago because the notes I have at the beginning of it is this week a diddleini almost took Amy out and an apple almost killed me. So that was several weeks ago. I really did almost choke on a diddleini. (laughs) That was that was a few weeks ago. That's how I know that was a few weeks ago. Yeah, but you watched it more recently than I did. I, I watched it when it was out. Okay. Okay. All right. So episode one is called Gold Stick. And why don't you tell everybody, Jane, what Gold Stick is? Because I didn't know what this is. So I think it's it's Lord Mountbatten's post, right? He's the Viceroy of India. I make I, I this is just coming from memory. I hope this is correct. 
um, that he's he's the last viceroy of India, and I think that's I think that's the nickname of that role. And it's a security position. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, yeah. He, he fucked up that whole India transition, though. That was a disaster. So Lord Mountbatten, in case anyone doesn't remember, is Philip's uncle, but was more, according to Jenny's notes, was more of a father figure to him because Philip's father was a dick. <laughs> okay. I lied. I mean, I, I swear I didn't lie, but it's the gold stick is the um, the staff that's pre- presented to the colonel of the regiment. So it's his whole role. It's not just the viceroy of India part. It's his okay. whole role. Okay. I was close. I was just pulling that out of my ass. But but it's important that we remember that he is a father figure to not only Philip, but Charles. Well, that's the whole thing. That's the whole thing. Yeah, Yeah, because Philip's father was an asshole. He was a Nazi. Yes. Yep. Yeah. All right. So the episode opens and we we kind of, we're not going to go through it step by step, but we're just going to talk about maybe the main things that happen in it. And one of the first things that happen is we start to see that there's unrest in Ireland. Yes. And we start to see the IRA forcefully opposing British occupation. So do you know the history of the Troubles? Like how this all started? No, but I'm interested. So oh, wait, trouble, let me just say, troubles. everything I know about the IRA, I learned as a kid in YouTube's Sunday, <laughs> YouTube's Sunday video. All right, totally. <laughs> not on, in the cranberries, right? Yep, like not, yep. not on... Not. And I also learned about it because they talk about it a lot in relation to Selma, the Edmund Pettus Bridge in 1965, hmm. because historians say, you know, that was a ri- the first bloody Sunday in America was yeah. in 1965 yeah. when that was televised. But go on. So the troubles were the late 60s to like 19, I think it was 89 with the Good Friday Agreement. It was around there that they, they came up with some kind of treaty. But the whole thing was that it, it wasn't a religious split, as a lot of people think, because there's Catholics and Protestants involved. It was it was a political split. So Ireland got independence from the UK in like 1920, 1922, something like that. That's the Republic of Ireland. So it all used to be the UK. The right. Republic of Ireland and Southern Ireland. The Northern Irish wanted to remain loyal. They were loyalists. I think they were technically called unionists. I wrote this down somewhere. Um, not loyalist, unionist. They wanted to stay in the UK. They were largely Protestant. They just happened to be largely Protestant. They wanted to stay in the UK. So they split the country and Northern Ireland stayed with the UK and Southern Ireland became a sovereign nation. Hmm. So that's how that all started. And that border has been fraught ever since, basically. Like, And then in the 60s, they start, there was a political movement started to, it was between the unionists who wanted to stay loyal to the UK and the Irish nationalists who wanted to finally rejoin Ireland. And that's where all this started. You had the provisional. So where does the IRA come into this? So the provisional Irish Republican army, which is the IRA, they want to stay with Ireland. They want to join Ireland or sorry, join Ireland and, and become a sovereign nation. They want the unification of Ireland. And the Irish National Liberation Army, the INLA, wants to stay with the UK. So that... So they're mostly from Northern Ireland. No. Well, yes, they're from Northern Ireland, but they want to join Southern Ireland. Right, correct. So they're currently under UK rule, but they want to join, they want to unify with Ireland. This is a huge issue with Brexit. Okay. Huge, because now if the UK leaves the... um, EU, that border now becomes an international, like a a border that you can't freely cross. Like you'd have to have customs and, you know, like oh, it, it's a, yeah, that's yeah, that yeah. backstop that they're talking about. It's a huge, yeah. huge, it's coming back to bite the yeah. ass yet again. Okay. All right. So that's, the, so they called it the troubles. Okay. So one thing we do want to make clear too, is Jenny and I discussed this ahead of time. We don't want to get too much into the political Themes. British politics. Yeah. yeah. In this episode. I mean, we have enough shit going on here in America. We don't need to take on more political trouble. So we're yeah. going to touch on the things that are important. Well, I think it's important to understand yeah. the why it's yes. happening. Yeah. But yeah, we're not going to spend a lot of time right. on that. So also of importance here is that Margaret Thatcher comes to power. And I have a lot of thoughts about her. First yep. of all, I didn't know it was Gillian Anderson. 
I can't believe you didn't. I mean, that was a huge thing in the news. Not the, I mean, not in entertainment news that she was going to play this. Obviously, Margaret I'm Patrick. watching the real news and you're watching celebrity news, Jen. Yeah, that's what's happening. Mm-hmm. I don't even have um, cable TV. Margaret Thatcher's an interesting person because she believes that women are too emotional to hold high office. Well, I mean, I made a lot of notes on this and I think that was not... Um, rare in that generation because she would have been graham's generation right yeah i think so yeah so she she sees her like the fact that she has made it to prime minister and she's ruling the country and she's good at it she sees herself as the exception to women yes like she doesn't see it as like women can do this she sees it as like i'm not like other women that's why i can do it well and she talks a lot later about her mother and how her mother, like, she related more with her father, yep. who was ambitious. And her mother was just, you know, content with being a housewife. Yep. And I don't know. I thought that was pretty interesting. Like, I thought she was going to be this feminist hero because I didn't know no. much about her. No, 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 no. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> She's the conservative party. She's like a hawk, a conservative hawk. <laughs> yep, yep. Okay, so also in this episode charles meets diana and the scene how they show it in the episode and i asked jane do i actually asked jenny to do research on this oh my god i might regret that but how they showed in the episode is charles is dating diana's sister and i don't know if they're still currently dating but he goes to her house for some reason and he runs into diana who's much younger what is she, yes. like 17, 18, 16? Mm-hmm. She's dressed, I thought as Puck, but she's dressed as like oh, a tree from Midsummer Night's Dream. Mm-hmm. And they start to talk about theater and Shakespeare, and they seem to have a connection. Right? Totally, totally fake, totally made up, total fiction. Well, if you listen to the Crown Official podcast, which I which recommend I did. doing. Which I did. Yes, I recommend doing because don't you love how the narrator says Peter Morgan? <laughs> Whatever. Peter. She'll talk about the writer, Peter Morgan, and how he could not know what was what happened. Right, exactly. Like there's no exactly. account of that. Yeah. So Jenny, what did you find out? That this is not how they met. Like, well, they met through <laughs> that that's what they met about. through Sarah. Like that's how she met him through Sarah. But there this conversation, this whole dressed up like a midsummer science dream character, none of this happened. So let's talk about why Peter Morgan had to here's what I'm thinking. Maybe he did this to show some spark between them. Because we know those are Charles' yeah. loves, right? Literature. Yep. Shakespeare, yeah. the arts. This um, is a fiction, like this is this is historical fiction. The crown is right. historical fiction. Right. So they're they're although well researched, mm-hmm. it um there's a lot of I mean you can't know the conversation between you right. know the queen and the prime minister that happened. It like he a lot of it has to be made up. But maybe this is how he because sh- there had to be something he saw in Diana at first. Yeah. Yep. So maybe this like Peter Morgan kind of wanted to show us that it was that connection, which turns out to not really be strong. Not well, because it's not, I mean, the other thing he talks about in the later podcast, when they actually interview him on that pod Mm -hmm. is um, he talked about how Diana was really good at faking things, Mm. which I thought was interesting, like really good at like showing, not faking things. That sounds bad, but like doing what she needed to do in the moment for the audience that she was with. Like they right. talk about when she went to Balmora. Yeah. And how like, she's not an outdoorsy person, but yep. like, she, like in, in the contrast to Margaret Thatcher. Yes. Who, Which like, we'll get to. Not, we'll get to. Yes. But like Diana. So like if she was interested in the Prince or liked the Prince and she knew he liked these things, which she may have known from her sister. Like, we don't know that right. she would have like, you know, like, cause you don't see that much, although she had an interest in dance that was real. Mm-hmm. She, you don't see much of like this intellectual person show up later. Right. Like that. Right. And he said also that he wanted to portray her innocence and like that, that like costume and like the whole summer night's dream will do that. Yeah. yeah. So well, it's like, it's a little bit of that, I think. 
And there are some accounts that she really was kind of into him, like was mm-hmm. very interested yep. in meeting him, yep. but played it off that she wasn't, Yeah, that it was an accident. I could see me doing this. You know, if you were dating like Bradley Cooper, <laughs> I'd be like, is there a way I could wear almost nothing? Right? Like the prince is coming to date your older sister. It's the prince. Yeah. It's, it was like a big deal. And like they're a, they're a uh, aristocratic family. So like this is a big deal, you know? Yeah. So we have their first meeting and that's, it, it was interesting to me and, you know, we'll get into that, but Everyone in the family. So in the meantime, everyone in the family seems kind of obsessed with Charles marrying somebody and settling down. Well, they want him to get away from Camilla. Right. Let's give a little bit in case people don't remember from season three. Let's just give a little bit of what happened with him and Camilla. So they didn't like Camilla from the start. Correct. And so they arranged when he was away, they pressured her family to arrange the marriage. Lord Mountbatten, Dickie, and the grandmother, the Queen Mom, who manipulate and the are the puppeteers. Mom, Jenny, not Mom. And, and, and who are the puppet masters of everyone, FYI. <laughs> yes, they sent Charles away in the military. Like, yes. They, they sent him away purposely. Yes. And then they convinced, asked her family to make sure that she marries Andrew Bolt. Right, which I feel like when the Queen Mom and Lord Mountbatten show up at your door, you do do it. it. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so so they want. I don't remember. Maybe you remember this. I don't remember exactly why they hated Camilla. Just because she was like headstrong and. Well, I feel like Mom and I were talking about this the other day, and we couldn't remember. I said I felt for some reason, and come at me if I'm wrong, everybody, that it was that she was just she wasn't. If you remember, Dickie later tells Charles to find somebody who will play by the rules and be nice. Yeah. That she is was not very Camilla. Handsome. Yeah, that's not her. Yep. So I think she was loud. She was, they, they saw her as aggressive, even though I see her as kind of, you know, outgoing and independent. Mm-hmm. I think that was it. She wasn't. They, they didn't value that. Material. They didn't value that in a woman. No. That was going to be married to a king. Yeah. Right. Um, the only other woman I think who's kind of like that is Princess Margaret. And Margaret. Look what's happened to her? Mm-hmm. You know, she turned into Helena Bottom Carter. I don't know how that happened. <laughs> there are worse things that can happen to you. I like her. <laughs> I love her too. Okay. So even Dickie, who has a tough phone call with Charles regarding Camilla, is, is wanting him to pick someone else. So he's telling Camilla, or he's telling Charles, you need to drop this thing with Camilla. Yeah. Like you can't do this to your parents. You can't do this to me. You have to pick someone who's going to like play by the rules and, and be a good princess. Well, and Dickie had told Charles in the earlier season to like play the field, like get out there, like, you know, play the field, find someone like, you know, get this out of your system now, basically. But Charles is still like carrying, carrying on and he's having this affair with Camilla and, Dickie's like, you need to settle down. Like, you need to produce an heir. Because don't forget, at, at this point in history, they don't know that Queen Elizabeth's going to live right, <laughs> 150 right. years. Yep. Like, he needs to produce an heir. He, need, You know, because he, mm-hmm. who knows what could happen. If something happened to her tomorrow, he would be the king. He'd have no heir. Yes. Or he'd have heir that was, like, you know, two. So he needs to settle, like, Dickie's like, settle down, start a family, find a princess. Yeah, and Charles is really stung by this. Mm-hmm. Like they have words and he hangs up. Charles is, is he at Highgrove? He's somewhere where he's fishing. He's in Iceland. Okay. He's With fishing. Philip is hunting somewhere. And now we have this scene where Dickie and his family go on this lobster boat. Dickie's in Ireland at a family estate, at his mm-hmm. wife's family estate, I think. And um, Philip and Elizabeth, they're in Scotland. So, so we have some sinister things going on around this lobster boat. And there's a lot of tension building. Like, you know, something's going to happen. There's weird cars spying on people. Like there's all kinds of things. And Dickie's like, he's on the lobster boat with like his grandchildren. Like little kids are there. Oh yeah. Yeah. And his boat explodes. So the people that die in this explosion are Lord Mountbatten. Uh, Actually they pulled him out alive, but like his legs were like half severed and he died shortly after they pulled him out of the water. 
Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. The, the boat boy I thought you were going to say they pulled him out, but he was in agony, so somebody pulled a paw Ingalls and shot him like bunny. We don't do that with humans. <laughs> Please do it with me if that ever happens. Boat boy Paul Maxwell died. Uh, Lord Mumbauten's grandson, Nicholas, dies. Lord and Lady Barborn and Doreen Lady Barborn die. I think they are his in-laws, I think. And mm-hmm. uh, Timothy Catchball. They all die. So was somebody young? The grandson was young and the boat boy was like a teenager or something like that. Oh boy. That's, yeah, that's upsetting. So the IRA takes credit for this. It is in retaliation for bloody Sunday, which was in 1972. And this is in 1979. So bloody Sunday was the 1972 massacre in which British soldiers shot 26 unarmed civilians during a protest march. 13 were killed. That's wow. Actually four. Well, one died later. So 14 died. That's crazy. Um, And they were actually shot while fleeing the police. So that was part of the problem. Yeah. That's no good. No No good. Okay. So after his death, and I I just want to say the death scene is done really well. It was really, it was really well filmed. Like they intercut those scenes. You have Charles Mm -hmm. fishing, like I said, and Philip hunting and then that. But it's like the music, the cinematography. Charles was, or no, Charles was fly fishing and he pulls mm-hmm. the salmon out and he's like beating it with a, you have to like kill it. Yeah. It was yeah. really good. And then after you see the explosion, like a little while later, you just see the phones ringing. Yep. Which is kind of interesting. And they go and get Elizabeth. She's hunting. Yeah. Yeah. And they go get her. She's hunting that for that crazy deer that was loose. The stag. Yeah. And they targeted uh, Lord Mountbatten was targeted specifically because of what he represents. Like he represents the British military, like old school royal family, like that. that he was specifically picked yeah. to send a message. It was. It, it's interesting that this happened when it did because of what was happening in this country at the same time. There was just a great time of civil unrest mm-hmm. in the world. It seems like. All right, so we have this going on, and after his death, Charles receives a letter from Dickie. Again, we don't know that we don't that didn't really happen. So earlier, after their really tense phone call, we see them hang up the phone, and Dickie sits down and writes this letter. Again, we don't know if it's true. Obviously, we don't know that this happened, but the letter suggests that Charles marry a sweet. An innocent, well-tempered girl with no past who knows the rules and will follow them. That sounds like my worst nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> but it's interesting because they, they kind of are echoing. They're echoing that letter that Elizabeth got from her grandmother. Do you remember that where she got a letter when her grandmother died, like right before her grandmother died, about like duty and like how that's yes. the most important thing. Yeah. And it like... You know, like, because Elizabeth was going to make all these concessions for Philip and like, oh, you can join the Air Force and like, we can go to Malta. And like, she gets this letter about duty and it's like, it kind of snaps her back into like, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Like, I have to do this. Preserve the crown. Preserve the crown. Yep. And I think that this is kind of like Charles snap back to reality. Like this, like my life is not my life anymore. Like it is, it is in service. Well, and I wrote that this really, the letter cemented his pursuit of Diana, unfortunately, because up until that point, she was the only woman who had really captured his interest. Outside of Camilla. Obviously. Outside of Camilla. Yeah. Right. Yep. Can I also just say there's um, there's something else that kind of struck me with this whole like Charles, like starting to come into like I'm the monarch thing mm-hmm. is like, do you remember the, I think it was. It was either David or Philip. I forget who said it, but they talked about how for every George the sixth, there's an, there's an Edward the eighth. And for every queen Elizabeth, the second, there's a Margaret. So the, the uh, there's like two lines running through the Windsor family is what he says. And I feel like with Charles and Anne, there's no good monarch choice there. Yeah. I guess it's Charles, but there's yeah. no well, like Charles, but Charles is kind of, like, yeah, I guess it's Charles. Yeah. Like, but he, I don't feel like he's a great choice either. Cause he kind of like, well, which hence, we didn't know, but he was kind of like a wild, wild card too. Hence why Queen Elizabeth is living to 107. Well, it's funny because they talk about how the crown, actually David says this, 
How the Who's crown. David? David's the uncle that abdicated the throne. Okay. <laughs> Don't David's Edward the Eighth. He's Edward the Eighth. He abdicated the throne. Okay. So he says later, right when he's dying to Elizabeth that like the crown finds its way to the right person. Like maybe that's true. Like maybe that's why it's going to like pass over Charles. Cause he's, you know, like now he might Wait, be okay. When does he die? He dies in this in season four. I think okay. I don't know that yet. And our listeners might not know that yet. Or was it in season three? I haven't seen him die. Oh yes, I have yeah, lung cancer. Okay. Yeah. All right. Because I remember his wife at the funeral was saying to Charles, like, these fuckers don't care. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. it was before Charles got married. All right. Okay. Um, so, like, he says the crown finds its way. Like, maybe that's why it's going to skip over Charles. Although Charles, I think, today would be fine. He's, like, in his 70s or yeah, something. Yeah. Like, but the Charles of then was, he was a wild guard. Like, all yeah. that shit he did in, in Wales. Like, yeah, you know, he was a little unstabilizing, which... No, I think they they desperately need, but that's not what they like to do. So. Well, speaking of Charles, let's talk about that scene at the funeral between Charles and Philip. They're, oh, they're yeah. at um, Dickie's funeral. Yep. This was intense. There's a lot of, I love how they're really exploring the family relationships this season. I like how um, Dickie left 500 pages of instructions for his funeral. I know. That's what, that's what kind of kicked off their conversation because he wants Charles to do a speech. He's a rock star. So um, at the funeral, Charles and Philip have an interesting conversation regarding Dickie's role in their lives. So like we said earlier, Philip almost had no father. I mean, it was just a real bad situation. It was awful. Yeah. Dickie stepped in and kind of raised Philip. So Philip is telling Charles this. You know, he was there for me. He raised me. And he's, he's, it's, it's a rare scene where we're seeing Philip be vulnerable, Charles, or any of his children. And Jen, Charles is like, yeah, same. Oh, and, yeah. And the walls go right back up. And Philip is like, what are, are you, you talking about? You have a father. Yeah. You have a father. But he has like, <laughs> and Charles is like, do I? Not to go back to Little House, but this is kind of like Edwards and John Jr. Like that's kind of Philip and and Charles. Like Charles is this sensitive poet. Like you know, I want to be an intellectual. Mm -hmm. And Philip's like war, war, flight, mm -hmm. war, mm -hmm. sports. Mm -hmm. You know, and like Charles just isn't that person. And I he, they just don't relate. What are your feelings about Philip? I think he's an asshole. Like, I go back and forth on him because I feel. Empathy for him because like we were talking off air about, you know, they thought they were going to have 10 to 15 years of a life together before her father died and they were thrust into this. So he thought he was going to get to do those things. Like he was going to get to live in the country with her and fly planes and do he this. He married a queen. Like, right. But they didn't expect, I mean, her father died so quickly, so young. He had to know what was going to happen eventually. I just have a hard time with like what an incredible racist he is and stuff. Um, yeah, he, I mean, like, of course. He was raised by a fucking Nazi. <laughs> good point. <laughs> um, but like, it's hard for me to like feel, I don't know. Like he, I mean, he, he had, this could have happened at any moment in time. It's not like her father was 30. Like he was a heavy smoker. He was in his fifties. Like it was unusual to die in your fifties then. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't. Just, it's interesting to see Charles or I mean, Philip and Elizabeth dealing with their adult children. Like it's almost like everything has come home to roost. You know what I mean? Like all the decisions and choices yep. they've made in the past two episodes or two seasons are now coming back. Oh, and, and they would leave their children for six months at a time. I know, which is so fantastic. <laughs> like, of course, of course they're not. They can't be surprised that they're not close. But is that, was that very common in parenting at that time? Not to Only this extreme. if you were super rich. Not to this extreme. But, I mean, they were greats, right? Generations? They were, yeah. So, like, they weren't super affectionate with their children. They just weren't. Yeah, that listen, was, they were born in the 20s. That was rare. If you oh, were super yeah. affectionate with your children. Well, but like they have no, they basically have no relationship. They have no relationship. Like yeah. the fact that later on, spoiler alert, 
um, Elizabeth needs a dossier about what her kids like. Yeah. Like they just don't know them at all. Like it's not, yeah. you know, like I don't think Graham and mom were overly affectionate or close, but like, you know, she knew her life. She knew what was going on with her. Like she, yeah, she raised her. Like it's Elizabeth true. did not raise these kids. Elizabeth and Philip did not raise these kids. That's correct. Cool. And we'll talk about that later. Okay. So Jenny, talk a little bit about now we see Charles sort of trying to make this thing with Diana a go. So, um, what has happened in the meantime is Sarah, like, I guess things have kind of parted between Sarah and Charles. Like they've, you know, Sarah's Diana's sister. Sarah's, yeah, Sarah Spencer. And Charles calls Sarah to congratulate her on her marriage. So I guess in the time that, you know, he's been running around with Camilla and like sewing his oats and doing his thing, him and Sarah have drifted apart. So she's, she's met somebody and she's now getting married. So he calls her to congratulate her and she's kind of, you can tell she's kind of surprised. And again, we don't know if this happened, right? But he asked about Diana and, you know, she's the sister. Sarah's like, wow, you know, she works at a kindergarten, like whatever. (laughs) And um, it's funny because Charles actually asked if it was okay if he asked her out, which I thought was a good thing to do. Like I wondered about that. Right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And it's funny because the sister says, and again, I don't know if this is true. I think it probably is though. Sounds like it. We've always called her Dutch because she acted as though she was destined for great things. And that kind of intrigues Charles about her. Yes. Um, and then he calls Diana and he um, asks her out. And you kind of see like her with her flatmates and she's like really happy and young and it's fun. And at this point she is 19. She's 19. And he's 32. Yeah. So like you see into that side of her life, like she's, you know, being a kid, running around town, like being 19, like partying it up, hanging out with her friends. Right. But I would like to say they're, they really leaned into the immaturity with her. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised, though, that she was somewhat immature. But I would also say 19 in, you know, 1980, 1979 or 1980 is very different than 19 now. In what way? Um, that you were more mature? Yes. And that it wasn't unheard of for people to get married at that Oh, age. no, no, no. Of course not. Yeah. Of course not. Yeah. No, just because you were immature didn't mean you weren't getting married. Right. <laughs> like, that made yeah. for some of the best marriage. Yeah, I mean, but also don't forget, she was brought up in a wealthy family. Like, mm-hmm. so she may have been, like, not, I don't think a super wealthy so family. Her but mother and grandmother were ladies in waiting to Elizabeth. Is that how I they're connected? Know. We should probably look at this Pause. up. Diana's maternal grandmother, Baroness Fermoy, also known as Ruth Roach, was the daughter of wealthy Scottish landowners. She was a close friend and confident to the Queen Mother, acting as a lady-in-waiting. Diana's paternal grandmother, Cynthia Spencer, was also a lady-in-waiting to Queen Elizabeth II's mom. Okay. So she's connected. Like, they grew up in the same circles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. All right. So... This is, you know, episode one kind of ends with Charles accepting that he's going to have to see if this works. He's going to give it a go. She's the best option of bad options. <laughs> I know I know people who have actually done this in their life where they're like, time to get married. I'm going to pick someone I'm dating. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. okay. Yeah. So we're going to move to episode two, which is the Balmoral test. So the Balmoral Estate is in Scotland, and I love Scotland. You've never been there. I've never been there, but let me tell you how I fell in love with Scotland. Okay. There's a there's a murder show. Uh-huh. Oh, I know which one. Called Shetland. Oh, no, I got it wrong. I thought it was Broadchurch. No, Broadchurch takes place in the UK, or in oh, England, doesn't it, Britain? Um, Good, great show. Great show. Great show. Oh, Olivia, Olivia Coleman's in it. Yes. That's how we yes. know her. Yep. Yeah. She's Milla. She's great. She plays a detective. She's so good. So Shetland is so fantastic and takes place on the island of Shetland. And it's just Scottish countryside porn the entire time. with <laughs> Dead bodies littered throughout. <laughs> <laughs> and I just, I, I suddenly like started stalking out Shetland. Like now I want to go there. I just love, I love that countryside. Yeah. 
the Balmoral test is like an unofficial test. And it's kind of a tradition where you're invited to hang out with the royals at Balmoral Estate to see how you do. (laughs) (laughs) The two women undergo the Balmoral test in this episode. It's Diana and Thatcher. (laughs) So, So in the beginning of the episode, um, we see these two neighbors and they see a huge stag coming across the field. And the one neighbor's like, Oh, we're not allowed to go over that boundary. So they shoot at it. They, they graze it, but don't kill it. So the stag has now entered onto the royal property. So they get a phone call, Jen, you would swear it was like, I don't know. This is my problem with the Royals. Yeah, They literally have nothing to do. They have nothing to do. Nothing. Like you would swear Idris Elba wandered onto their property (laughs) and needs somebody to love him or something. Like it's like there's just this stag. So everybody's going crazy. I mean, like um, Philip and Anne are like gung-ho to find this stag. And and, and Anne, like, I I wanted to believe that Anne was like Margaret, but she's not. Like, as, as opinionated as she is and, like, independent, she still falls in the whole line of the family. Like, she still falls in that. Like, yeah, she's still in that. Where Margaret, you know, kind of, like, tried to get out of that or, like. Yeah, but I feel like Margaret's fallen in line. She has in the later years. But yeah. Anne, I think, right from the beginning was. Well, this. Anne will do anything Philip will do. I know. It's all about Philip yep. for her. All right, so the only people who aren't really obsessed with catching the stag is Charles and and the queen. Like, she goes later, but, like, she's not obsessed. I don't know. She seems kind of into it. This is Philip and, yeah. You know, Margaret is pretty into it. <laughs> yeah, which is weird. Maybe they're just, they have the bloodthirst, I guess. Like, they just want to kill something. So um, in the beginning of the episode, Margaret Thatcher is invited to go. So we see a little scene of Margaret Thatcher's like personal private life. We meet her husband. What are your well, thoughts on these two? Well, that's the weird thing about Margaret Thatcher is in like the historical Margaret Thatcher. Like, although this almost feminist icon, not really, because she she led a very traditional life in every other way. Like she was like, you this is the role of the wife. You're supposed to take care of your husband. I'm a mother first. Like, you know what I mean? Like that was still like, she, she wasn't, she was independent to a point, but then she was like, no, this is my role. Like I'm supposed to do this in my family. So she came to be prime minister almost in spite of. Yeah. Her womanhood, if you will. Well, she she sees it as she's the exception to that. Like her political, like professional life, she's the exception to other women. Not that a woman can do this. And we also see like her relationship with the queen, like back in episode one where they first meet, I think the queen is kind of expecting her to be like, rah, 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 feminism. Well, not. She's not, but the queen isn't either, really. The queen isn't overtly, but I suspect the queen is privately. Yeah. The thing with the queen is that she, you know, she is a civil servant first. Yes. Like, she's about, like, I can't have an opinion about this, but I think if she did, it would be more of a... I mean, how can you be the most powerful woman of a country and not be a little bit of a feminist? But she didn't earn it, Aim. Like she didn't strive. She didn't for earn it. it. But it landed she, on no, her. No, she has all the power. Yeah, yeah. But she really is but so. You have to believe in the power and capability of women. But she's so her. opinionated about the role of the royalty and yeah. and what they should never do. And and Thatcher like takes her to task on that later, where she's like, "It's easy to sit around and do nothing. You don't have to do things. You don't have to make decisions. You don't have right. to make decisions that require life or death." You know, like it, it's easy to not take a a stand on things. Yeah, and Philip like the even Queen is taken back by that because she thinks that's the hard thing to do, and Thatcher's saying that's the easy thing to do, and that's a real thing with them. I I don't know who's right there. I mean, it's it if you don't have to take a stand, like Thatcher. Th- this is at a point when Thatcher's getting like dragged through the fucking public over this. Like politics are t- like you know like it's a mess. Like her yeah. government. 
like she's getting taken a task on this. And the queen is always kind of like, I don't have an opinion about it. That's easier. I think. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah. got to be harder in some ways because maybe you want to do something, but the political fallout is zero from that. It's like the memes going around of people who say they aren't political. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a golden book cover. It's yeah. like, I'm not political. You're, you can't not you, that, that there's no such thing. A fucking like salad is political right now. Right. Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> but that's kind of Margaret Thatcher's point is like, how you, how are you sitting this out? Like, how are you sitting these things out? So, yeah. so Thatcher's like kind of not wanting to go to Balmoral. She's like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> I don't blame her. This is ridiculous. Like I'm so busy. I don't have time for this. And her husband's like, let's just go. I like her husband. Mm-hmm. Her yeah, husband's like, let's just go. It'll be fine. Yeah. Da, 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 da. Whatever. The, and Balmora was uh, Victoria's estate, wasn't it? I don't know about that. Victoria's estate. So it's like a different time period than uh, it was. It was like built, I guess, built at a different time period than like the castle was. Right. Like that. Right. So Thatcher gets there and she's immediately like a fish out of water. Like she just, she doesn't know the weird parlor games that they're playing on the pro all the protocol. And like, this is my protocol with the royal families. It's, it's insane. Like, who in the world is still doing this kind of shit? Oh, yeah. Like, it's when they're crazy. trying to teach Diana later, it's like, holy shit. Like, I don't even know what you're like, talking Like, you can about. adopt some egalitarian things. Like, yeah. it's okay. Yeah. Like, this is, this is just to make, this is just to humiliate people. And then they're like, dude, you didn't bring outdoor shoes. <laughs> right. So like, then what? she's invited to go with Elizabeth <laughs> to hunt the stag. Who would <sighs> think she would be hunting? This is just, and I think I have this here somewhere. This is just ignorant. Like, it's all, like, it's just, they're just accustomed to the this level of, like, we're just going to do a thing and everyone's going to just accompany us and just be, like, yeah fodder for us. Like, we, yeah. when you have guests, you cater to your guests. Right. Like, you, you make sure they're comfortable and you make sure they're doing the things they want to do. You don't just go, like, we're going to do this stuff and, like, good luck. Yeah. No. Like it's it's mm-hmm. crazy. It's just so insane. So so the women go out hunting and Margaret Thatcher has to turn around and leave because she just doesn't have the right shoes. And, and she doesn't want to do it. She doesn't like it. Like, don't make her do she it. She doesn't want to do it. And eventually, Jen, she ends up leaving. I mean, do you have any other notes on this? She well, just they have the they have the polar games, and I just have that like it's insufferable. And they've they've like Margaret Thatcher's like, this is so stupid and ridiculous. Don't forget, like Margaret Thatcher's brilliant. She has all this advanced mm-hmm. education. Mm-hmm. And she's just sitting there like with these like yahoos, because they're they're kind of yahoos, mm-hmm. except they have money. Like, what are these guys doing? Like, what are we right. what are we doing? This yep. is insane. Like you would think with the Queen of England and like the Prime Minister that there would be some intellectual discussion. Nope. Or some, like nothing like that. There's nope. nothing. No. It's it's a mess. The whole thing's a mess. No. It's just bad hosting. Uh oh, it's bad hosting. It's bad Jenny hosting. doesn't like that. Bad. I hosting. don't like bad hosting. And I wrote that she fails the test and leaves early, and the shine is definitely wearing off between these two. Well, and and then she had that if little conversation with the other Margaret. So like the Margaret versus Margaret, and it's like really, really Princess Margaret. Like you haven't worked a damn day in your life. This woman's brilliant. Has worked her way up. Like I was I pissed about that. I was so pissed. I know. Meanwhile, Jen, Diana shows up at Balmora. So she comes at Philip's request and she kills it. Well, you know, he asked Camilla to go first. No. Yeah, he didn't he ask Camilla to join him? Yes. And, and, you, can, and you can kind of tell that Camilla's like, she knows this, ha- like, she has to cut him off because it's getting stressful for her, I think. Mm-hmm. And She's like, why don't you invite Diana up? Like you're seeing yeah. you're dating her now. Like, why don't you invite her up? And that's when he decides to invite Diana to Scotland. Yeah. Yep. And she comes up there and she she's killing it, which is weird because she doesn't kill it later. Well, but that's what that was what they were saying in that podcast is that she was really good at adapting to a situation and like kind of wowing and impressing people even if that's not really who she is okay yeah so like she later we discover she is a city slicker she hates this shit she doesn't want to be in the countryside i i feel you 
I, feel I mean, like I, I, I do too, but I would be Thatcher a hundred percent. I'd be like, what are outdoor shoes? Yeah. All right. So, so Philip loves Diana. Philip is like, she's great because she, she's, she's playing to him. Exactly. Like yep. what he wants to see. They yep. go hunting. She not only accompanies him on the trip, Jen, but she spots the stag. Yes. And they murder it in cold blood. <laughs> and it's they funny bring though, their corpse back her, to the castle. Doesn't her grandmother come with her? Is it her grandmother? Yes. No, as a she's chaperone. A, she's mm-hmm. the chaperone for all their shit. Yeah. Yep. So after I just have a note here that after Diana ends up doing so well, I think Charles quietly accepts that he may have to marry her. Can you imagine if Graham was on all your dates with you? Oh gosh. <laughs> no. No. She'd be oh, like, that's God. wild crap. You're ramrodding around. What's going on? No. Yeah, there was that whole weird thing with Philip and Diana where like he requested her hunting with him at 5 30 a.m. I'd be like, this is creepy. Yep. I'm not doing this. Yep. And I why does like, Philip suddenly care about Charles' life? I felt like Philip really liked Diana. Why does he suddenly care <laughs> about Charles's happiness in life? And like Char, he brings Charles and is like, "You, you need to marry her." And he knows that like the family wants him to do this, and they have very little agency over their life. Although I have to say, and they keep referring back to this, and you don't see this in the Crown anywhere, but how Elizabeth, no one wanted Philip, and she somehow got that pick through. Yeah, she did. Sometimes I miss young Philip and Claire Foy. Sometimes. Matthew, I forget his name. I miss them sometimes. Was his name Matthew? Although Olivia is killing it. Uh, yeah, she's great. Okay. Yeah. Yep. I liked old Philip, though. Old Philip was good looking. Okay, so. Old as in prior Philip, not yeah, older Philip. Previous Philip. Previous Philip. Yes. <laughs> so, Jenny, what are your thoughts then on, like, now we're seeing Diana come into the fold? Well, Charles is kind of like, she's a child, like, which, you know, he's 31. She's 32, 18. She's 18 now, I think. Yeah. He's 32. Like, that's a big difference in age, even if you are like super immature and acting like a child all the time, like Charles is. Like, that's a big difference in age. I have And he likes Camilla. And do you want to talk about the conversation you have with mom? (laughs) Oh, guys. (laughs) Because I'm on your pit. I'm on. I agree with you. We have to hope mom never hears this. She's probably going to listen to it, maybe. All right. Mom, turn off the podcast. (laughs) Trigger alert. (laughs) Trigger alert, mom. So, and well, I'm going to talk about this because this is very representative of the rhetoric we heard as kids. Yeah. So I remember when Charles and Diana were breaking up, I was young and it wasn't a big event in our lives. I mean, you know, it was an ocean away. It was the Royal family, but I do remember like my grandmother, my mother really talking about it. Cause they were kind of into watching what had happened. And Graham was reading the tabloids all the, the time. tabloids. Yeah. And I just remember the rhetoric being that Camilla was ugly. That she was a horse face. Yeah. That she was a dog face. Whatever. And I was saying to my mother the other day, I really understand after watching this why Charles loved Camilla. Like I just do because she was funny and sarcastic and smart yeah. and outgoing. And Diana just didn't light his fire in that way. And yeah. that's okay. And mom was kind of like, yeah, but she's ugly. <laughs> <laughs> And this is where Jenny and I so have is moments. Charles, of, though. So is Charles. Sometimes Jenny and I have moments of, did we come out of that womb? <laughs> and this is one of those moments because I'm like, mom, take looks out of it. Take right. looks out of it. Like, you know, looks don't matter. Thank God looks don't matter to my husband <laughs> because <laughs> I'd be out on the street. But looks like if you find somebody's personality attractive, that makes them attractive. Right, right. Like, like there's not one standard for how hot they are. There's not one standard for attractive. Right. And I think, you know, we see this kind of grow and we'll talk about it when we cover episodes three and four in the next podcast. Charles, like Camilla just knows him. They just connect on a level that he will never connect with Diana. No, 
Mm-mm. Never. First of all, he's an intellectual. Diana's not. I mean, you could say a lot of nice things about her. I'm sure she was smart. She's not an intellectual. There's no. a difference. She doesn't have that curiosity. Like right. she doesn't more sit around. She's she's more into people and like you know the like yeah. we see that much later when you know she becomes the people's princess, quote unquote. Like yeah. she cares about people. Charles doesn't. <laughs> he doesn't. He doesn't. Right. The whole family doesn't. Right. So like you know, I kind of just seeing this, and you know, we all know how it ends. It was interesting to have that rhetoric challenged. To think to myself. God, I might come down on Camilla's side here. No, I'm absolutely pro Camilla. Like that's who, and that's who he ended up with. Like, spoiler alert. I'm not saying what happened to Diana was fair or right. I'm not saying that it wasn't tragic. I'm not saying any of that. I'm just saying Charles should have been allowed to marry who he wanted, period. Well, I mean, I don't know how many times they're not going to learn this lesson. Yeah. And Margaret says that later. Yeah. Are we going to do this again? Margaret, David, like, Mm -hmm. yeah. So, Jenny, what is going on with Margaret Thatcher in these episodes? So like, she's, what's her arc, you think? So she's kind of coming into her own. And we see her, like, you know, one thing about her that I think is really important that they keep, like, harping on is her work ethic. So, like, she is, and I, I think that says a lot about, you know, you have to work twice as hard as a woman in this field yeah, to, to sure. do, you know, to do well. Yeah. Um, you know, she's probably blown through, like, three red boxes a day. Like, she's... <laughs> You know, it's a different it's a different vibe than you get from the queen, right? Yeah. Margaret starts firing everyone in her cabinet. <laughs> wow. And you have the parade of like beat red screaming white men. Like <laughs> like you yeah. just see that whole I forget though, wasn't there an, an event that precipitated that? Um I forget. I think there was a she reason. Was, she was under a lot of political fire, but I forget about what. And the queen, so she goes and she sees the queen, and the queen is like, I hear there's been like a lot of firing going on over there or something. And the queen says it's a dangerous game to make enemies left, right, and center. The queen says that. The queen says this to Thatcher, mm-hmm. and Thatcher says, not if one is comfortable with having enemies. Mm-hmm. And the queen's like, are you? And she's like, oh, Yes. <laughs> and she she gives a quote from this poet and I'm not going to go through the whole poem but basically it's like you don't have enemies you say like basically if you don't have enemies then you're not doing your job like mm-hmm. then you then you have been a coward in the fight yeah yeah and it just like you just see the like color drain out of the queen like does she's the queen like, think she doesn't have enemies she has enemies <laughs> but she doesn't have enemies because of stands she takes right, right? She, she doesn't have engaged enemies yes yes right yeah Jenny do you have enemies Probably. <laughs> You're looking at one. <laughs> oh, and, and to finish up with the Margaret stuff after, cause she had all these enemies within her own cabinet and her own party. It was terrible. Like they were all out to get her and shit. So she fires all of them. She has the new cabinet and the first scene when she walks into her cabinet, they're all kind of like, you know, like giving her the side eye. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This new cabinet, she walks in the room and they all stand up and applaud. So yeah. like she has really positioned herself well to like be able to govern because she yeah. she was like getting all these challenges constantly. And um we start to see also in this episode towards the end how the press is starting to hound Diana. Yes. Which yep. is gonna be a thing, as we all know, later. Yeah. Yep. Okay. I think that's all for episodes one. Yeah, and I think so. Okay. So so next podcast episode, next episode of our our podcast, we will cover um, episodes three and four, which were my favorite. They examined Queen Elizabeth as a mother. Yep. And that's really fascinating to me. And maybe we'll throw episode five in there because that's a short one, Fagan. So at the end of every episode, Jenny and I look back on what we've watched and what we've talked about and think about. Is there anything from here that impacted us as children or maybe on the rewatch? Although this isn't a rewatch. This is reliving the material, but it's a new media for us to watch. So, Jenny, what is your why for this episode? So this is why I'm glad that we don't have a royal family. (laughs) Oh, fuck yes. Like, it's they're just insufferable. I can't believe that. I mean, I get that, like, people in the UK, like, some of them like this, but I can't believe they have to pay for it. It's kind of crazy. 
I was just talking with my girls the other day because they're studying, you know, early American histories, the setting up of the Yeah, this is why we were pissed. Yes. And I was talking to them about how lucky we were to have George Washington in the exact right spot at the exact right time, who did not want to be a king. Nope. He He could have offered. He could have easily. Yep. Yep. Um, So we were talking a little bit about this and we were talking about, you know, the differences between having king and queen and not. So yes, I'm happy for that as well. And I'm happy to have a strong democracy. It seems to be hanging in there. (laughs) Okay. This is why I don't listen to mom in her pick of who's pretty and who's not. (laughs) Like really it was some awful things were said about Camilla. My goodness. (laughs) And I'm thinking to myself, and this is something I feel about a lot of people. I always say this. When you make a joke about somebody's appearance or somebody's weight or something, that's the easy thing. Like, there's other reasons. If you have other issues with Camilla, that's fine. But don't call her ugly. But don't call her ugly. Don't pick on her for being ugly. I don't even think she's that ugly. Like, what is her? I mean, Diana was exceptionally beautiful. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So, you know. I mean, I don't think I'm super ugly, but if you put me next to Angelina Jolie, <laughs> no one's going home with this. Well, I know this was a whole big conversation with you. <laughs> it really was. <laughs> so that's, yeah, that's my why. I just, I'm, I'm not listening. I'm not paying attention anymore. I'm going to form my own opinions. I feel like you should have been doing that all along, but okay. Yeah, maybe. All right. So Jenny, what's next? Uh, we're going to talk about ex- episodes three, four, and five. Okay. And they are, let me just give a, give the names, Fairy Tales episode three. That's the wedding, right? Yep. Episode four is favorites, which ironically is my favorite episode. And that's, the, ep- that's the writer's favorite episode too. Yep. And episode five is Fagan. Oh, you mean Peter Morgan? Peter Morgan. Peter. Pizza I like that podcast because they have the British accent. Oh, it's so strong. They're I love great. it so much. Well, she's actually Irish, I think. She sounds That's Irish. Right. Okay, so thanks for listening, and we'll see you soon. Hi, everyone. Amy here. Thanks so much for listening. We really appreciate it. If you like what you hear, please consider leaving a five-star review. It really helps us to grow the podcast. If you'd like to support us, please consider joining our Patreon feed. Patreon.com slash This is why. We're also on Facebook, and we have a Facebook group called the Mimi Bees, M-E-M-E-B. You can find this and all other information, including an email address for contact, at www.genxthisisy.com. Thanks so much, and thanks for listening.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.